a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Manna. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Manna, a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you're going to meet on this podcast would consider themselves extraordinary, but they're humble. Holy way of living is exactly what makes them extra, and I'm excited for you to meet them. Today's guest is one that, uh, you know, if our MANA podcast had bylaws on the eligibility of guests, would uh, probably be scrutinized for a couple of reasons. First, uh, as you all know, this podcast aims to feature just, you know, plain old ordinary guys of faith who have ordinary jobs. Uh, In this case, after only a brief stint in the hardware industry, uh, our guest today has spent nearly uh, 20 years as a youth and adult faith formation leader, which could technically disqualify him as being one of just the regular Joes uh, we here at MANA surround ourselves with. Uh, And second, um, he is a graduate of St. John's University, and I'm not sure if it's safe to have Johnny's and Gusty's in the same room unsupervised, but uh, there's no sharp objects here, just a bunch of podcast equipment, so I think we'll make it through. Uh, but somehow uh, uh, our guest made it past both of those those tight screens, and he is here with us today. He's a talented leader uh, in the church, a devoted husband and father and overall great guy. Welcome today's man a man Mr. Chris Gestalk. Hey, Chris. Hey, Jeff. How, <laughs> how did you reach back into my Essen hardware? Like I, that's right. That's right. That's amazing. I've, that's right. The power of LinkedIn is you know, what that is. And, oh, uh, yes, yeah. it's, it's prominently featured on your LinkedIn profile. So what what did you have, a specialty area in the hardware? Uh, yeah, I was in uh, like sort of the customer service thing in the back. The I cut keys for people, oh, yes. cut glass. The best was there's all these old retired electricians and plumbers and whatnot, and and uh, they would, like, fix stuff, and I would watch them if nobody was there. <laughs> and I was like, I should learn how to do that, you know. Although my hardware store burnt down. Wow. Yeah, it was, wow. I, I don't know if it was for the insurance money or, like, the yard guys. Like, I don't know who knows. Wow. But I was super sad when I yeah. went back. It was like a Walgreens. I yeah. was like, huh. Mm-hmm. Gone. I was also a hardware store uh, clerk. Uh, horrible at it. I, and, and to this day, I still can't fix or discern any type of tool. I don't know. I really don't know why. I, it was, there were limited job opportunities back in Annandale at the time. Yeah. So was that, uh, but you know, maybe by osmosis, we, we both kind of picked up some things. For sure. For sure. For sure. Well, thank you very much for being here uh, on MANA. And, um, you know, uh, there's so much to talk about. Uh, for those listening, Chris, um, as all of the MANA men, by the way, MANA men, what do you think of that? Is that too corny, kind of like let that go, or is uh, it's 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 a lot of M's and N's. <laughs> I'm just saying. So uh, so as with all of our guests, um, I've got a, a, a history with all of them, and Chris um, was uh, instrumental in the uh, in the faith formation of of our daughters, and also of of yours truly here uh, as you segued into adult faith formation. So we'll have plenty of time to kind of get into kind of the day job and all that kind of stuff. But, but with each guest, uh, as with all of the guests on Mana, you know, you're all, you're all here because very selfishly as the host, I've recruited all of you because of, um, you know, your faith and how you live it and how you inspire others. And you all have loads of examples 
that, that go that go 10 yards deep. And yet you all have a unique thing that, that I appreciate that sort of sort of like the special little brand or the special, you know, kind of tag on each one. And, uh, and so before we get into, you know, some of the background, all that kind of stuff, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to lay this one on you. And I was trying to think of how to actually describe this. And I started with how, you know, you know, doctors have, you know, bedside manners and, and some of the best doctors, you know, you know, you hear people say, he's just got a great bedside manner. And I don't know if that's what this is, but, but what I've always loved about you, Chris, is you're in a very sort of, um, I'll call it kind of conventional sort of churchy role job. Okay. So you've, you've, so you're already, you know, you're at a cocktail party. People say, Hey, so what do you do for a living? You're like, and whatever comes out of your mouth, you're going to automatically be put in a box. Like, Oh, you're one of those guys. And what I've loved about you for all the years that, that we've known each other. And as I've seen you engage with young people and, and old people and all people is you have, and that's why I say, I don't know if it's bedside manner, but you have a way of connecting with people and, and in a very normal sort of sort of pedestrian way, but yet it's almost like uh, when you hear about parents like uh, sneaking broccoli in with the ice cream, like all of a sudden, hey, you just ate broccoli. And like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that was broccoli. And, and you have a way of, 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 of delivering these wonderful messages and these great examples, and, but yet in a very authentic way and not in a way where, because sometimes I feel like, you know, guys in your role, they, they sort of get, because, because there's such a perception of, okay, he's one of those guys. And, uh, and so anyway, to kick us off, I'd, I'd love to know, uh, you know, is that something that just comes natural? Or is that something when you decided to get into this sort of line of work, this vocation, or when it called you, did, 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 you, did you think, you know, this is, this is how I'm going to do This is how I'm going to try to, you know, connect with people and attract as many people as possible. Uh, or does it just come, come naturally? Yeah, that's a good question. It is, it is strange that somebody who works for the church is uh, normal and can talk to people. <laughs> that's not, you know, we joke, but reality, sometimes that's not true, you yeah. know. Uh, I don't know if it was always a pur- purposeful decision. I think it actually probably comes from two things. Uh, one is uh, needy on my part. Like, I want people to respond positively to me <laughs> and to, like, have real relationships and feel bonded. And uh, I'm a high relation guy, so, like... I love to to just know people and and walk away from a situation where everyone feels good about it, you know. So it's kind of a personal need, yeah. but I think I also saw it in my mom a lot. Uh, my mom was a highly committed church person, but she was super relatable. Um, she could you know talk up anybody in the grocery store line um, to totally to my annoyance as a thirteen year old, you know, or fourteen year old, <laughs> be like, "Mom, stop talking to the cashier. Oh, she doesn't know you, you know, like whatever." <laughs> But, like, uh, I think I learned a lot. Like, you, osmosis um, just kind of really picked it up um, watching her do it. And um, at the end of the day, like, um, I really just like people. I yeah. like to meet a lot a lot of different kinds of people. And so um, I want those those interactions to generally be uh, awesome yeah. and positive and yeah. good. And, like, um, so I don't know if it's if it's uh, as, uh, I don't know, uh, strategic as, oh, gonna, yes, I will be very likable. And then they were like, Jesus, too. Like, I don't know, like... <laughs> I'm like you know, twist my mustache, but yeah, um, yeah I, I think it's more like I want uh, I want people to to feel the joy that I feel in in in, in life and in faith, and so um, I want to leave them with that impression of me, sort of selfishly, but also 
of somebody from the church who's not sour-faced. Yeah, you right, know, right. It was Teresa of Avila who said, Oh, Lord, save us from sour-faced saints. And uh, I've always kind of tried, tried to live by that just in general. That's so great. How did you end up in this? How did you end up here? So, you, you know, you went to St. John's, great Catholic school. I mean, was this was something that from a young age you, you envisioned yourself doing or, or what? what, what no, not at all. Uh, so when I was uh, growing up in St. Louis, Missouri, I went to a Catholic all-boys school, Shamanan, and I was thinking journalism. Uh, I was part of the paper and doing all that thing, you know, and it's always like, you know, when you're thinking of what you're going to be in life, you're like, well, what do I like to do? Like, which as an adult, kind of like, whatever. Um, but uh, I was thinking journalism, and then uh, I got invited to church by some buddies, some of my baseball buddies, and um, in fact, my my catcher was like, oh, Chris, like, you should come to church, you know, youth group with me, and I'm like, Pat, whatever, man, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a church guy, that's not my deal, right? And he's like, no, 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 and I went to an all-boys school, he's like, there are girls. I was like, all right, what time? And uh, <laughs> and we went. And uh, long story short, there's a guy there, Steve Algar, who's my youth minister. And um, and he was a regular dude who you just talked to people. and um, But he was passionately in love with Jesus Christ. And had a couple events, went to a Studentville Youth Conference, did some mission trip work. But more than any of those big things, like just the weekly in and out of being around people of faith, mm-hmm. um, I guess you could say I had a conversion or reversion or yeah. whatever you want to call that thing where um, I just, the, the Lord called me and I said yes to, to following him and then um, said yes to ministry of some sort. Uh, so discern the priesthood in there. Uh, Father Mike Butler in, uh, in St. Louis was the vocations director at the time. Yeah. And he's one of those men where you see him, you're like, forget he's a priest. I want to be a man like that. <laughs> you know, like there's this great moment where yeah. on this thing and a bunch of us boys were supposed to carry like, you know, 55 gallon drums of paint. And, uh, and we were supposed to meet him out there, but we ended up playing basketball for an hour and a half instead. Yeah. We got out there and he's got the last pail, you know? Wow. And we're like, we're so sorry. Oh. And he totally could have yelled at us. Totally. Mm-hmm. He's like, Oh good. Who won the game? We're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like punish us, please. Wow. You yeah. know, this is worse, yeah. but we just, I want to be a man like that. Cool. And, uh, so discern the priesthood and then, so you just, it's yet in high school. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, in St. Louis, the Archdiocese had a vocations dinner. Kind of like we have in our diocese here, and and uh, and a bunch of us went. And it was great, and my mom said, uh, "That's wonderful, but we already put the deposit down on your housing at college." So um, I'm glad you want to do seminary, right, but right. you have to do a year at St. John's yeah. first. And um, and I still discerned all through my four years uh, as an undergrad at St. John's, but uh, ended up there doing theology. Um, fell in love with the monastic life there and the monks and the way of their daily and constant prayer. Uh, I thought it was beautiful. Their desire for sort of that beauty, truth, and goodness, those transcendentals, like, like, I don't know if you know this about Benedictine monks, but they ch- all wherever their, their monastery is going to be, they choose a beautiful place. Um, and part of that is because they take a vow of stability. So if you're going to stay someplace, yeah. it better be pretty. Yeah, um, right, right. But they also really see, see, see God revealed in the beauty of the created world, you know. Um, and I think that taught me uh, a whole lot about how to view the world. Yeah. Um, and so... Um, I got an undergrad in uh, theology with a minor in psychology and a focus in what's called pastoral ministry, which means just parish work. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, started at, uh, at Holy Name as a high school youth minister. And so was the, was the um, uh, direction to work with young people, was that, in, was that intentional or was that that just happened to be what was available and that's kind of how you got started? Or, or, or No, I was, it was pretty much from senior of high school. Uh, if the, 
if the discernment didn't go directly into the priesthood, it was going to be to be a youth minister. Yeah. Like I, yeah. Uh, Steve Allgaier and others had had such an impact on me in high school that like I had to, I had to follow that, uh, that kind of call, um, which was interesting. Like, I, I don't know if a lot of people have this experience um, uh, outside of the church, but like I kind of got called to it, got into it and was like, Oh crud, I have no idea actually how this side of the <laughs> thing works. Like, like I know what the reception of ministry feels like and what yeah. it should look like, yeah. but how do you make that? Yeah, you know, I right. didn't realize there was like an actual job that occurred. Like yeah. I thought, oh, I'd show up and like yeah. teens will show up. Yeah. And I'll, I'll buy them Just pizza. Play some games and, and you know, we'll hang out. Listen to some music, and listen like, to Striper. And, right, you know, <laughs> Striper. I got some bad news, Jeff. That's before my time. <laughs> oh, Five Iron Frenzy, though. There we go. <laughs> 90s Christian yeah. ska. That's, yeah. that's where so it's is at. That, is that something that, that then when you talk about kind of the, the science behind that kind of engagement was that at school? Like, did, is that do they teach you that in college, or is that when you get into it and you're learning from other, you know, youth pastors or, or, or ministry? You know, like how, how do you how do you how do you develop that sort of intentionality about engaging, especially young people who right. I would imagine more often than not aren't coming with the yeah like what you had in high school where right. you've got this great sort of like moment or, or so. I mean, so how do how do you how do you how do you learn how to make those connections with young people? Well, I think it's a lot of things. Like uh, I had a mentor in college, uh, Jeff Castor, who's a longtime youth minister and uh, worked for the Diocese of St. Cloud and then was an associate professor uh, at school. And um, and we had classes, not necessarily uh, – there was there was a, a pastoral ministry class, and it's part of what you learn is engagement and how to, like, um, do direct ministry. Um, but we also had sort of experiential learning. So we were part – during college, I did confirmation retreats, and there were, like, these one-day confirmation retreats, and it was, like, a group of Johnnies and Bennies would, like, drive to, like, Piers, Minnesota, and uh, be, like, su- Sunday afternoon, and, like, the Vikings game would be on. Like, nobody wants to be there, and you have to somehow get to know them, have them get to know you, tell them about Jesus Christ, and have them have some sort of positive church experience out of that, and and out of that sort of cauldron of experience and, and uh, those moments of just abject failure, you know, it's kind of built into um, what are you going to do when you actually get out in in the real world? And then Mm -hmm. you, and then you build your craft, right? Like, like it's like really anything, you know, I I used to think you you get into something, you're successful right away. You know, like it's like a light switch. We're on, everything's working great, but it's a lot more like a dimmer switch. You just slowly turn it up and build the thing. Um, And that's, I think that's how we kind of got to what we were doing um, for a long time in youth ministry and, and adult ministry too. Yeah, yeah. Talk about that transition then from from, you know, connecting with youth and and bringing Jesus to them, and then with adults. What first of all, I guess what what sort of begat the change, yeah. you know, um, and then and then what were some of the biggest and maybe unexpected differences? I mean, your your, your subject matter is the same. Yeah. You know, I can serve beer. Different. That's what it was. I can start <laughs> yeah. serving beer and wine. No, uh, yeah, actually, that's yeah. That's, yeah. It was a big. It was a big decision to switch because I loved youth ministry and I had had some success in it and I um, felt good at it um, to a certain degree. And then honestly, I didn't. I don't think I felt called away from youth ministry, but I felt I, I got called to adult ministry. Mm-hmm. It kind of really started. Um, we were my kids started. My oldest uh, Ella started kindergarten, and um, I went to an uh, an event for like parents of kindergartners, whatever, and. I was talking to somebody and uh, and they were like, "Why'd you choose, choose Holy Name?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm the I'm the youth minister there, so like you know I work there, <laughs> so it's like easy. I just yeah. I drive to work and I drop her off. Right. Like it works great. Why, why, why'd you choose Holy Name?" And he's like, "Well, we looked at this school, we looked at this school, but we liked Holy Name because it wasn't too Catholic." 
And I was like, mm. I just told you I'm the youth minister. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like I literally like my job is to get people to know, love, and serve Jesus, and like participate in the right. church. But okay, um, maybe you didn't know what it was. I don't know. Right. But I just realized like there was just such uh, a need, such a hunger. I saw these mm-hmm. these uh, men and women, but really particularly dad dads, really men who um, had this sort of partial view of the church. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they 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 had this. This, this view of it that wasn't the full picture. It wasn't in its full beauty. And um, I, I, when I, as soon as I saw that and really examined it for what it was, I my heart just broke for them. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a, in no way was it a, well, they, you know, they really should like church more. You know, mm-hmm. none of that. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, these poor men don't know. Yeah. Um, these yeah. poor families don't know. Um, Is it hard, though, with, with it, um, uh, and we joke about it, but, you know, at least with youth, you know, you can uh, sort of, you know, cloak the conversion experiences or the opportunities in fun things. You know, right. hey, we're going to have a sleepover. We're going to have, you know, a band coming or whatever. And then, you know, it's still not a guarantee. But, you know, you, you've got to, at least you've got a, a captive audience that you're, you're, you're providing an opportunity. With adults <clears throat> like this guy, yeah. I mean, you, you actually have to get, you got to get the horses to even to the trough or, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. actually have to get. And so, so was that... Difficult. I mean, and I kind of know the answer to it because you're so good at it. So it obviously wasn't that difficult. But I mean, but how? Talk about just how you had to maybe be a little bit more mustache twisting <laughs> with adults because yeah. you because you, you're dealing with rational, you know, now beings that can make their own decisions and maybe come with their own preconceptions. And, and how did that? Well, I think you over overestimate the rationale of adults. <laughs> like, I don't know. No, I I I think really like it is. I'll say this. I think adults are a lot more calcified. So if they're if they're open to church, if they're into church, they're they're there, yeah. right? They're more open to it. They're more into it. And if they're not, they're more not, right? Um, and I think that's the harder part is that teens are 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 they're sort of car- cartilage. Nothing's bone yet, yeah, you know. Right. They're they're not quite there. They haven't achieved a decision on that. Um, but when you get to that that adult stage, um, there's a lot of decisions made. Um, uh, there's an author, G.K. Chesterton. I don't know if you know Chesterton, mm-hmm. but in the introduction to Everlasting Man, he uh, one of his books, he talks about this boy that grows up on this farm and he just just did not understand how his father loves this farm. And uh, and then one day he's about to turn 18, tells his dad, Dad, at 18, I'm leaving. And uh, his dad says, that's fine. Like, you're going to be 18, you'll be an adult, you can do whatever you want. And he turns 18, helps with the milking one more time, grabs his backpack, makes his way out to the road and he gets to the crest of the hill, the sun rises, he turns around and he finally sees the farm in its full beauty. He finally sees what his father saw all that time. Mm. And the lessons that, that, that Chesterton says out of that is like, sometimes we're too close to Christianity to see how beautiful it is, but we're not close enough to love it. And I think um, that's true for a lot of our adults. You know, they know the half, the half truth of, of what it means to be Catholic, what it means to be Christian and um, they they made a decision like, you know, two percent's enough for me, ten percent's enough for me, or whatever. Yeah. Or uh, I'm not really into that kind of Christianity. But most of the time, when I have like a, one of those real sort of late night conversations, or you know, second second glass of scotch <laughs> conversations with somebody, um, I don't believe in the God that they are also rejecting. Yeah. You know, the the God right. that they talk about, I'm like, I'm not down for that either. Right. And that good news is. That's not the God any of us believe in, right. you know? And so right. I think really what you're asking about is, is trying to get past 
that um, the obstacle of what they think they know. Yeah. Um, and I think um, sometimes we have to shock into that a yeah. little bit. Uh, and and uh, and I think one of the challenges is making enough of a connection to make that happen. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but like I, I ain't got time for new friends. Like I don't see my friends as it is. Right, like right. so to say, like oh, I'm going to build a new relationship. Yeah, dude, I had, I had to schedule a podcast to see. It's been, <laughs> yeah. it's been tell me about it. Right, I know. <laughs> so uh, I think to to kind of get people to open up to a new relationship and a, a new moment is uh, it's really challenging. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is this: when you're working with teenagers, like there's generally two other people that are also on board with you about them getting to church, you know, <laughs> right, like right, right. You got their, mom and dad. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> their intentions might not be pure, you know, like, but they're still like, they will drive them. They will make them that happen. Yeah. But at best, at best you get like a wife or a husband. That's like, Hey, can you invite my wife to this thing? Or can you invite my husband? Yeah. But most of the time it's, it's you and, yeah. and Jesus. Yeah. He's a pretty good partner in the process. Really good but, partner. Um, you do a really good job too of, and, and I've experienced this personally, but I've also seen it where, you know, in, in, in establishing that connection and, and being very almost disarming with somebody to say, well, that's not, that's not the God I believe in either. And yet, and yet you do, uh, you're never relativist at all. Like you have sort of that, that spiritual and, and, and at times, um, you know, Catholic tradition backbone that says, mm, actually, no, that's that we actually do believe that or something. And I remember there, Years ago, I was hot on some some book that I was that I'd read um, by an evangelical, you know, um, uh, pastor, writer, minister, whatever you want to call it. And uh, and I remember I was so fired up about it, and I came here like, "Oh my gosh, check this out!" And you're like, "That's great," um, but or and, and but but, but but again, you do it in such a way where, and, and at times I feel like in making the connection between young people and, and older people. You know, I think a lot of times when we talk about, you know, um, educating and, and developing youth, we we talk about guardrails and we talk about boundaries as good things. You know, kids want that. You know, they, they need to know, you know, um, and yet and, and, and then when we get older, we sort of feel like, well, no, 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 no. I know, like you can't don't fence me in. No. And so how do you how do you retain that sort of the discipline and the in the like with adults because it I've personally experienced like that's really helpful. Like it's, 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 it, it's more, first of all, it's true. Um, uh, but it's, it's actually more beneficial to, to be reminded of like, Oh no, like there's, we still have, you know, we still have, you know, I hate to call them rules, but it's like, you know, there's still some boundaries here, you know? Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that we all suffer from, especially I think, uh, where we live and our level of education is that we, we have uh, we almost put a, um, a greater emphasis on, on what we know now and what we've learned at the detriment of, you know, the, the dead no longer have a voice, right? Like, yeah. uh, you know, we have this 2000 year history of the church and we kind of go, uh, yeah, but he's not ready right now. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I guess for me is just continue to, to be curious, continue to learn and like be studious and, um, I, when I'm sharing what the things that I've and I've just been blessed with had this like memory where I can if, if it's a story I got it I'll retell it mostly mostly true um, and uh, I just I think it's really important to to not just um, 
sort of have a pride about our own. Well, I've thought of this idea, so it must be the right <laughs> one. But to really like go like, okay, here are all these people that are, you know, this 2,000 years of people thinking about this thing. Yeah. Maybe we should listen to what they have to right. say about it, you right. know. And I, I think there's some wisdom, wisdom of um, community thinking. Obviously, we don't want to get into group think and get into that. But I think at the end of the day, like if we don't um, kind of uh, give some some weight to, to the wisdom of the church, like, and mm-hmm. by that I mean like, everybody you know like yeah. but the 2000 year history of it like and plus it's beautiful and it's true like and it's good like it's all those three things uh, i can't tell you my times in in just my own personal or study or i've listened to a, a talk or a podcast and like somebody said something i was like oh yes and then i've come to find out later they're like you know quoting uh saint thomas aquinas or they were like you know right. ultimately yeah. bringing a not new idea forward yeah. you know yeah. um and i think but i think the the key i think what you're ultimately talking about is um to never use that as a club you know never to use the the church or the teaching of the church as um as something that's going to fix somebody um or uh that you're going to you know beat them over the head with but it's really the antidote to a poison, yeah. you know, yeah. like uh, falsehood, whether it's about some big theological issue or whether it's spoken in our daily lives is a poison. And so yeah. we, we got to find the antidote to that. And the antidote is truth. Like, yeah. um, but you got to be kind, well, you know, it, like, it reminds me when you talk about, you know, um, making sure we don't forget about some of these great stories and examples of, of, <laughs> oh, sorry, of the church. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, that's the uh, <coughs> uh, corona, c- coronavirus. Yeah, uh, it'll be fine. You might want to wash this mic. <laughs> um, now, I remember a few years back uh, as part of a men's group, and I remember you uh, speaking to us, and it was kind of about uh, it was about sin and, or, and turning your life over and, and something like that, and you told the story of the centurion uh, who, you know, whatever, lances Jesus' side, and at that moment it realizes, like, Truly, this was the Son of God. Mm-hmm. And I remember you, you, you saying it so uh, factually and, and yet effortlessly, and, then, and I'm, I'm butchering basically your talk here, but at the end you were basically like, listen, if that guy, that guy, you know, who had spent his entire life, you know, basically on a quest, or not entire life, but a lot of time on a quest to, to, to you know, to dis... Um, um, disavow and, and and literally at the end of, of uh, almost dismembered Jesus can if even he can turn his life over it's like like there's no excuse for any of you guys in this room you know what I mean and, and it was just and that's a great example that obviously wasn't an original story that wasn't a that wasn't one of the from the Chris Castell catalog you know but it's it's bringing that that forward or bringing it back and and helping guys like me in that room hear something from and it presented in a very normal, approachable way, but yet obviously rooted in like that's hardcore scripture. You know, that's 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 immovable. You know. Yeah, yeah I, I I I I think sometimes we have a VBS understanding of scripture. You know, like <laughs> like oh, I, I know what that one means. I learned I learned about it when I was eleven. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm like that's great. Nothing wrong with VBS. VBS is wonderful, but. Uh, and we need the childlike faith, but I think we have to keep reading the scripture. Like, you know, we really believe the scripture is the living word of God, right? So it's still alive. So it still speaks to us. Um, the reason the, you know, in the church, we hear the same, we have like a three year cycle in our Sunday readings. We hear the same stories over and over again, but the reality is we're a different person every time we hear it, you yeah. know? And I, and I think it's important to always take a fresh look 
and to actually uh, actually read the words on the page. Yeah, uh, I think it's I think it's so easy for me to start. You know, like oh, the sower and the seed. Uh, yes, <laughs> I know this one. Would you like me to tell it? You know, no, thank you, gospel evangelists. I've got it. You know, like. But the reality is, every time you can you can kind of garner something new. You can yeah. hear something new. You can understand it in a different way. Um, and I think that's I think it's really important. Um, you know, my mom died about a year and a half ago or so, and um, at through that and after that, like all the teachings about resurrection, all the teachings about new life, like it all changed. You know, it all went from, um, oh yeah, yeah, new life. Got it. Yeah. Right. Someday. Yeah. To like, no, 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 no. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, the woman who, who birthed me and reared me, like she has to know that's real now. Yeah. You know, that, that teaching isn't, um, some concept that I assent to because it's in the, the catalog of Catholic beliefs or Christian beliefs. Um, I want to believe that now because it's happening for her now. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's how scripture can change for us. Like Jesus' resurrection is the first, the first to be resurrected. And uh, by God's grace, my mom is too. You know, like um, that's how scripture can change for us. Yeah, totally. Amen. Ah, uh, that's fantastic. All right. Well, we are, we're now, um, see, the time goes by so darn fast. Question two. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Next up. No, we're actually to, uh, we're now to the uh, portion of the show. That is miserably named. Uh, really got to come up with a better name for this. But this is the fun segment uh, of the show. And there's three There's th- three fun segments. And for all of you listening out there, um, all of the guests on MANA, all of our MANA men, MANA men, uh, are given these qu- next three questions in advance. So if, uh, if Chris or if any of the guests ever try to fake it, like, oh, that's a great question. Hmm, let me think. They're lying. They're outright lying. So, uh, so now for, so fun segment, uh, there's number one, two, and three. So fun segment, number one, uh, I need, we should have like music to signal a change in, you know, just more. Yeah. Some sort of uh, segment intro. Benny Hill kind of a thing. All right. So, so there we go. Fun segment number one, if Jesus knocked on your door tomorrow and wanted to hang out, what would you do with him? And you can't say, I realized this in one of our last episodes, you can't say go to church. Because it's a little redundant for Jesus. Yeah. It's kind of, dude, I'm here all the time. So yeah, you're hanging out with Jesus. What are you going to do? Uh, so uh, I have thought about this before, as you did send us the question. <laughs> and uh, I originally had two answers. And then the more I thought of it, I realized it's just one answer. But uh, I would take Jesus to a Twins game. <laughs> I would. Right. I'd take him down to uh, Target Field. I'd, I'd buy him a kosher hot dog. And we would go to the game. And... Uh, and we'd start with the game, and I would be super into it, taking score, chewing sunflower seeds, and three minutes later, he'd be done. He'd be like, <laughs> you know, like, uh, what is this like, gladiatorial game yeah. like you were playing? Uh, they're not even hitting each other, you know? <laughs> like, um, And so I realized, like, he wouldn't, he, like, he'd turn around. You know, he would, like, turn around to, like, people behind him and be like, hey, what's your name? Like, he would yeah. instantly go into, like, what he does, which is love us yeah. uh, perfectly, exactly where we're at, what we need. Yeah. And uh, and he would end up preaching to Section 314. I, 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 I sit in the cheap seats. And uh, and he, we'd, we'd have church right there, right? Sure. You know, like, yeah. I know that's what would end up happening. Because my original two answers was Twins Game and then Street Preaching, but... Uh-huh. And that's what he'd end up doing. Get he'd, it on there. He'd yeah. walk the concourse, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know if he'd do healings or what he would do, but like, um, man, I would love to take him there. And then I, I, 
part of me would be wildly disappointed because he wouldn't <laughs> watch the like no 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 but there was right. a pickoff yeah, Jesus right, you right. know just and, had to wait for it he'd probably yeah. get to the sixth inning like all of us and go you know what? this should be done right about now you say yeah, about, all of us you mean almost some of us, us. <laughs> <laughs> all right fun segment question number two yeah. if you could uh, if you could go to church uh, with any other guy living or dead who would you go to who would you go to mass with this is an unfair question, first mm-hmm. of all. Yes, is, exactly. You know, as, as all of these types of questions yes. are. but they're Out kind of, of all of humanity that has ever lived. <laughs> living or dead. Living or dead. Uh, my, uh, my list is incredibly long, but I will narrow it to just a couple. Uh, actually, uh, who I've already mentioned him, but Chesterton. I'd like to go with Chesterton because I think afterwards we'd go out and uh, – and probably have a scotch and a cigar together, so that would be awesome. And then uh, I also actually say Maximilian Colby who was a 20th century saint. I don't know if you know him, but he died at Auschwitz. Um, his story is a Polish uh, priest who, um, you know, was very active in the resistance to the Nazis and then was captured. And while at Auschwitz, um, 10 men were being executed and one of them broke down when he was picked out of the line randomly, said, um, my wife, my children, please don't kill me. And Maximilian Colby stepped out of line and said, I'll take his place. Wow. And he put those 10 men in a starvation chamber and all of them died except um, for Maximilian Colby, um, who eventually had to receive a lethal injection injection to, to die. Wow. He was martyred at Auschwitz. And uh, uh, I think his story is incredible, right? Like very dramatic. Yeah, like, kinda, right. you know, I kind of go for the jugular. But um, he made his decision about his faith. He made his decision, decision about his martyrdom uh, years before he was ever in Auschwitz. Yeah. And I think that's the way we kind of all make decisions about faith. Um, is that we have to make the decision long before we actually follow through on the the end result? Yeah. You know, and um, I just think he's an incredible man. His devotion to Mary is beautiful, and um, wrote a lot about that. And um, I would just I like to spend some time in church with him. Um, and then finally, my last one is uh, uh, Teresa of Avila. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love Teresa of Avila. I think she's witty and funny and smart. she was she the there's so many Teresa's was she the one that, that had the uh, I, hate, I hate calling them lines but she said that you're now the hands of Christ you're now the, 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 the uh, Christ has no other hands but yours or something like that one of the Teresa's you know I get mixed up on the Teresa's yeah. too no my line from her that I like is she fell off a donkey on a way to like <laughs> something and she looked up to heaven supposedly and said if this is how you treat your friends no wonder you have so few you know <laughs> nice. she also had a late conversion she joined uh, the the convent as a young woman but really was not on board until like almost her 40s I think and uh, was kind of um, and then from there did some major reforms uh, of of her convent they were really split into like rich sisters and poor ones. Yeah. And she was like, nah, you know, that's yeah. not, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And she was one of the rich ones, you know, yeah. um, but she's uh, just an incredible, uh, incredible writer and, and deep, deep spiritual thinker. Yeah. So technically breaking kind of the rule of the question, that you know, she's not a guy, but I'll take, Oh, it has to be know, men. Well, that's what, that's what the question says. Oh, get, she, she, I got too excited guy. about trees. No, I like it. I like it a lot. And I love yeah. the, the Chesterton too. I, 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 uh, um, he's got a great quote that I share with. I'm sure I shared it with you. Uh, the truly great man is, and this is not whatever politically yeah. correct, but the truly great man is the man who makes every every man feel truly great, or something like that, which is kind of neat. Right? Beautiful. Uh, last one, fun segment question number three. If you had, uh, and and if you want, you can you can actually harken back to maybe advice that you actually have given to young men. But if you had one piece of advice that you could give to young men mm-hmm. today 
to help them feel comfortable, to feel invited, to 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 live just in, comfortable in living their faith, you know, and and not feeling self-conscious about how it comes off or you know what their friends are going to think. Like what 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 either have you shared with young men mm-hmm. in the past, or or what kind of advice would you give them today? Uh, I, to be honest, my my advice would be um, <laughs> start even if it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Like don't don't wait till it's comfortable, right? You know, um, just do it. There's nothing that feels comfortable about swinging a baseball bat or throwing overhand or, you know, or hitting someone in football practice or running or climbing up. I run, but you know, like, <laughs> like all these things that we do are not comfortable. Like start with the uncomfortable until it becomes what you do. Um, I think is really, really important. And actually, in fact, um, choose discomfort. I, yeah. I think we live in one of the most wonderful, incredible places and ages. Um, I can listen to almost every piece of recorded music at a touch of a finger. Like, what? You know, like, I, I, I can order people to bring food to my home, and there are stores brimming with wines and beers and everything else I could ever want. Um, and uh, and yet we have all of that, and most people aren't very happy. And, uh, and so I think, actually, to take a step in faith is actually to take a step away from comfort. Because um, as uh, Benedict XVI said, um, we were not made for comfort; we were made for greatness. And I think if we want um, we want faith to be important to us, um, instead of trying to fit faith into our lives, we need to turn and try and fit our lives into our faith. That's great. I mean, the, this is the last thing. Um, Father Mike Schmidt says this all the time, so I'm, I'm really just stealing from him. But you know, before the 1900s, the word priority was never plural. You can look it up on Google, right? Uh-huh. Like um, before the word priorities was just never used yeah. because the word, it's root. It means the first, the thing that becomes before all others, the thing that is prior to everything else. And at the end of the day, we can't have priorities. Something will always be first. Yeah. And if it's not Jesus Christ, if it's not the church, if it's not prayer, if we don't deem prayer the most important thing we're going to do every day, it's not going to be the first thing we do every day. Um, and, I, and I really think um, it's an attitude shift towards discomfort. It's an attitude shift towards really making it the priority. Um, and it's an attitude, toward, attitude shift towards um, this is the thing that all else is beholden to. Mm-hmm. This is the thing um, that I stack on top. And uh, that sounds like an impossibility in a faraway land for so many of us. Um, and on the one hand, uh, it is, it is hard. It's hard for everyone. Yeah. Christianity is not easy for anyone. Um, on the other hand, it's not, it's right beyond our fingertips. It's right there. Yeah. The, this, the next step is right there. Yeah. So I would say do it, try it, do it for 40 days, do it for 90 days, figure it out. Yeah. Do something uncomfortable. That's great. That's great. Thank you, Chris. Really appreciate the time this afternoon and everything that you're doing for the church and to spread his word and, just be another great, uh, great man, man, a man. Jeff, thanks for doing this. This is a beautiful thing, and I, I can't wait to listen. Thank you for listening to Mana. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>